Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Can't Stop, Won't Stop, where we can't stop and we won't stop fighting for justice. I'm your host, Lindsay Ann. This week, I am sharing the stories of a missing loved one, murdered loved one, and an undetermined death of a loved one. All three cases occurred in Muncie, Indiana, and all three cases require justice. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey guys, D here. Before we start, I'd like to thank all of our Can't Stop, Won't Stop patrons. Your monthly donations helps families just like ours fight for justice. The amount of money that we had to spend on a PI FOIA request, travel expenses, signs, bracelets, posters, and so much more was detrimental on our family. Which is why Lindsay created her Patreon tiers ranging from $8 a month up to $100 a month. Without each of you, there is no way she could continue to help in the fight for justice. Thanks, babe. And so you guys, if you're wondering how you can help on a monthly basis, please check out my Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash can't stop, won't stop, where you can learn about those four different tiers that are available. Thank you to Shantae, Sandy, Cheryl, Melissa, Star, Shawnee, and our very newest member, Dornette. We appreciate you. Yes, we do. Before you guys fall in love with Ashley, Michael, and William, I want to give you an update on Charles Netherland's mother, Penny. As many of you know, Penny joined her three boys, Brad, James, and Charles, in heaven around 3.15 a.m. on Thursday, November 18, 2021. Following the wishes of her loved ones, I'm going to refrain from sharing Charles's story on my podcast. If and when they are ready for me to pick that back up, I will absolutely do so. Jerry and Amanda, from all of the Can't Stop, Won't Stop community, we are especially sorry for yet another loss of your beloved family member. None of us know exactly how you feel, but please know that all of us care and all of us wish you healing and happiness moving forward. Also, you guys, I've taken another detour on the path to share Morgan Ingram's story. Everything happens for a reason, right? (laughs) Yesterday, December 2nd, 2021, was the 10-year anniversary of Morgan's death. This is an incredibly sensitive time for her family. And you guys, after talking with them, it has been decided that we will dive deep into Morgan's story after the new year. Please join me in sending positive thoughts to the Ingram family during this extremely difficult time. Okay, so 
If you watched our live last Sunday, you heard us announce that I am going to speak at the city council meeting in Muncie, Indiana, this coming Monday, December 6th. 2021 at 7 p.m. Yeah, I'm going down to Muncie, Indiana to speak. Let's get to know three of the loved one stories of the families that D. Wayne and I will be joining on Monday. Please remember the names, you guys. Listen to these names. Ashley Mullis, Michael Coates, and William Balfour. Remember those names and get to know those names. Get to know their stories. Ashley Mullis, Michael Coates, and William Balfour. Let's dive in. Ashley Morris Mullis. Credit goes to Paranormal Nightmare and Chasing Evil for the following interview with Ashley's father, Don Mullis. I figured, why change something when someone has already done a fantastic job? So I am so grateful that I was able to use this interview to share Ashley's story with all of you. Take a listen. My pain continues, my pain will continue, until I get results to put my daughter to rest. Ashley Morris is my daughter. She come up missing in September 2013. I sat right here and cried for about three hours. You can't concentrate on nothing but finding your kid, for one. I had three nightmares last night. I don't dream. When I found out you guys was coming, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard on me to be as a father to even do what I'm doing. Because it makes you just want to run and hide. I should have been there to make sure nothing happened to my kid. It just makes you feel terrible. It don't make you feel... 100% of what you was before, you know, like if you lacked something and wasn't there to make sure your kid was safe. I, I didn't work for the first year. I mean, I couldn't work. I mean, for the first year, I was dumbfounded. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate marking lines on a roof to get my shingles straight. Numbers wasn't there no more, but I'm losing it, you know, I mean, uh, I don't have the time to concentrate on that. I'd rather be on Facebook looking for my daughter. I never had a Facebook until 2013 in September. You'll see when I started Facebook was when my daughter come up missing. That's my way of getting it out there, easing my pain a little bit, maybe finding somebody to help me. I had one post, 2.5 million people seen it. The one with me standing with the posters, that's how many hits that thing had. That's getting it out there. I can't give up. I won't give up. I'm not going to give up. She's forever in my life and she's forever my kid. You know what I mean? And I'll be there through thick and thin, dead or alive. I'll stand up for her. She's a wonderful person. She's my first kid. My only daughter. Listen to this. You talk about even something that God knew was coming. My first daughter was born March the 1st. 1986, my first granddaughter 
was born on March the 1st. Now, you don't think that tears a hole in you? I had two lovely ladies, and one of them's gone. How do you celebrate March the 1st? I'll never forget that date. Ever. That's the roughest day of my life. It's March the 1st. I gotta celebrate. And I gotta be emotional. And it's hard to be the same in one day. I mean, it's hard. I'm emotionally dead. I don't want to die until I get answers. I hope you guys help me, you know, because I need answers. I'm not giving up for nobody. The police. I told the police, I'll arm wrestle every one of you until I get the answers I want. You know, I'll knock you down one at a time. I guarantee you there ain't one of you I can't beat because I got willpower. You know, and that's what it takes. She was in uh, a marriage with her husband. The marriage went bad. She had car problems and went to a garage. He was uh, twice her age, you know, so he had money. But, you know, he, he was he was playing the game. You know, he was married too. Just a rough situation, you know. I mean, uh, uh, I believe he'd done something with my daughter. The wife and I talked and uh, we'd both said, hey, you heard from Ashley, you know, because it'd been two or three days that we hadn't heard from her. We go to her house, no sign of her, nobody there. We put a note on the door, you know, Ashley, contact us when you get this, this note. No contact for, you know, another two or three days. So we go back to the house, we look, the note's gone off the back door. We put another note on the door and, you know, no, no results. Nobody calls her boyfriend, York, don't call and say, hey, it's about two weeks this goes on, you know, we're calling her phone, no answers on her phone. You know, uh, no sign of her at the house. We finally get this Dan York's number. So we contact York. And I said, where's my daughter? Oh, she left about two weeks ago. You know, okay, we've left notes. And he's got my granddaughter at this point because they had another kid together. And they was both married. He ends up with the baby. And he's got the van that she's been driving. Ashley was getting ready to go tell his wife that they had a relationship, you know, that they was, and that was their baby. She was watching Ashley's and Dan's baby, not knowing that it was her own husband's baby as well. She thought it was just Ashley's baby. It took us almost two weeks to figure out, you know, she was gone. It all leads back to this man. His wife took off of my granddaughter. No blood to her. How do you do that? I tell you. It's the corruptest place in the world. They ain't ever come to me for one. But I read something where they told you that your daughter was dead and that she OD'd. Was there any proof? He'd come up one day and he says, Don, your daughter's dead, she OD'd. And I about punched him right in his jaw. My daughter didn't do drugs like that. You know what I mean? I know that Ashley wasn't involved in some of the stuff that this guy's led on that she was. You know, he's trying to pass, he was trying to pass it off like she OD'd, you know. Okay, if somebody ODs, don't you have a body? You know, you don't dispose of somebody's body because they OD and you're hiding something. You know, and 90% of them, if they OD and you're doing that, you just take them down the road and you throw them out of the damn car. You don't dig a hole and put them in it or, you know, 
burn them or throw them in acid or, you know, I've heard my daughter, she got ate by the pigs. She's wrapped up in fence in the lake. Uh, she was put in an acid barrel. I've heard them three things. You know, me as a parent, people don't understand how much that friggin' hurts. His wife took off of my granddaughter. No blood to her. How do you do that? I can tell you, it's the corruptest place in the world right here. They'll work out. That's how it happened. It took me three days to get a cop to this front door. Three days. The cops ain't done their job from the start. Don Morris. I'm here in regards to my daughter, Ashley Morris Laws. Been missing in this town for six years. Police department has done nothing but corrupt my case for the last four years. That this criminal took my daughter and took illegally my granddaughter to Florida and all of you guys stood by and let this happen to me. I've been a citizen here for 28 years and I want to know why this has happened and why it's happened to other people in this town because of the corruption. I can tell you why and we all know the name well. Daniel York. Every one of you know him standing back there behind that counter. Every one of you know he also burnt another building with a young lady in it named Heather Music. There is so much corruption going through this town that it sickens me to live here. It just, it just sickens me because not only have I lost a daughter, I've lost a granddaughter because you guys didn't stand up and fight for me, for my rights. Who would want to be in my seat? Who would want to sit where I'm at and have no help for six years? I'm not going to stand for what's going on around here in our government. Nobody wants to do the research to see what happened. And everybody can say what they want to say, but Mr. York is responsible for my daughter's disappearance and took my granddaughter. That guy planned this. That guy planned it from the start. He knew what he was doing. He already knew what he was doing when he got involved in the whole situation. They wanted a kid, and he got one. He fed her a bunch of shit what he did, and made her disappear. But it just tells you, you know, that's an evil family. I mean, a very evil family. I went to uh, Ashley's house, me and the wife. We had sat there because I called the police because they was moving her belongings. Well, they just let them take all the belongings, put it in the truck, and take off with them. But prior to that, the neighbors seen this same truck that was taking her belongings backed up to the back door. At 1.30 in the morning, this truck was backed up to the door. Now, if you ain't removing a body out of the house or something like that in that big truck where you're blocking the neighbors off with the big truck and pulled it through the yard, the driveway's on this side, and he pulls it through the yard and backs it up because he knew the neighbors was awake over there and he backed that truck up where they couldn't see it. And I think he put my daughter's body in that truck at that point and hauled her off in it. They just told us to get out of the parking lot. We wasn't welcome. You know, and, and seeing our daughter's belongings in this truck, you know. And uh, so, you know, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you, you do like law says or, you know, you go to jail. It's just amazing, you know, how much they can get after me, but they couldn't get after this guy. You know, I mean, it just... It just boggles my mind, you know, how much they've destroyed me in three years. It all leads back to this man, you know what I mean? And I think that's why he had a heart attack. The stress finally got the best of him. I've been married 30 years. 
I had 27 great years of 30 years. Last three years, I don't know the lady I'm married to. It's like starting all over. I mean, there's sometimes that I just, I just don't understand her feelings. You know what I mean? She's so emotionally fed up with it. It's why she ain't out here today. It hurts her so damn much that she can't tolerate it. I mean, she just simply cannot tolerate it. Give me one minute. We're going to get answers to this. Uh, people don't realize the fight that we put behind this, and they just don't understand uh, how heartbreaking it is to so many families and members. Pretty much the whole United States is behind me on this fight, and uh, my philosophy is the impossible just takes a little longer. If this was your family and, you know, your granddaughter, I'm sure you would approach it in the same way. I'm hoping you would, if not. But uh, by all means, uh, as, as a team of all of us working together, we can resolve this. Like I say, the impossible just takes a little longer. And uh, we won't give up, and, and we will eventually get the answers we seek. Don and Leandra Mullis. It is with the utmost sincerity that I say to you that I am so incredibly sorry for what you guys are going through. Not only losing your daughter, and by losing I mean not even knowing if she's lost or if she's deceased. I can't imagine that feeling. But also losing your granddaughter. Not being able to know, to touch, to hold your beautiful granddaughter, Abigail, who deserves her grandparents to be loving on her, doting on her, and caring for her. I am so sorry. And I am here to tell you that D. Wayne and I, along with the rest of the Can't Stop, Won't Stop community, we are here to help you. We are here. You are not alone. We are here to help you get answers. So now, you guys, let's take a listen to Michael Coates' story. Again, I am giving full credit to Paranormal Nightmare and Chasing Evil for the following interview with Michael's sister, Teresa, and brother-in-law, Dave. Please check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Nightmare and Chasing Evil, for the entire interview regarding the Michael Coates case. It is well worth it. Take a listen. A man's body ended up on a wastewater treatment plant conveyor belt. Officers found the body this morning. Right now, police say there are no indications of foul play. A Muncie wastewater treatment plant this morning. Police are still trying to figure out if there is anything suspicious about the death.
My name is Teresa. My brother, Michael Coates, he was my younger brother. There was eight of us. He was the youngest out of all of us. He wasn't married. He does have one son. He was a very caring person. He was very well liked. I mean, he went down some wrong roads, and but then he got his life back together, and he was spending more time with his son. The choices he made, we we wasn't around each other a lot. I mean, he would come around my house, but I didn't agree with some of the things he were doing and some of the people he were hanging out with. And he knew that. He was making changes. I mean, he he had drugs in his past. He turned to drugs. He made a lot of bad choices. He wasn't in his son's life like he should have been. I've been Michael's brother-in-law for, at the time, would have been 30 years, you know. Uh, I've known him since he was a little kid. A lot of times Michael would come. It was kind of bothering him, the lifestyle he was living. He would just come to us for moral support. One day it just changed, and from being around him, I know the signs and I know the changes. I knew he was doing better because he was there and he was spending time with his son where before he was out of his life and you know I could see the changes in him. He was helping my mom do things around the house, fixing things that she needed, things that he wasn't doing before. So there was a lot of changes that he was making and I could I could tell. He, he was a genuine person. Uh, he, he's a good kid. He really thought about things. Uh, he wasn't one to just fly by the seat of his pants. He always thought about what he was doing. Uh, I always liked that about Michael because he's a smart kid. Drugs really do bad things to people, good people, you know? So, but I miss the old Michael. Because he did his own thing, he just didn't return home. My mom and my brother's on and off girlfriend was the last two people that we know of that seen my brother alive. My mom seen my brother on Sunday, May 19th, and then my mom left. May the 22nd, the police showed up at my mom's work, which I don't live far from there. I was called over there to identify my brother by pictures. I just got out of a meeting and uh, started at my first job and I got a call from my wife and uh, she was uh, bawling, telling me that I needed to come home, that uh, Michael was the body they found at the wastewater treatment plant. My brother was found at the Muncie Water Waste Treatment Plant. He had washed up through a machine. He had come up and was on the conveyor belt and the conveyor belt threw him off and he was found on the ground. It was pretty graphic that uh, they didn't want us to see him and coroner's exact words was, you don't want to see him. Sitting here today, I wished I'd have went because I could have went and identified him in person uh, and these guys would have had more closure at least knowing without a doubt uh, that it was him, you know, so. 
it could have been through the plant or through a manhole. I don't believe that it was through the plant just for what I've seen. I think somebody dropped him in a manhole and he washed up through that way. We was told that they uh, believed that he, his body was actually placed in a manhole uh, along the main sewer run that runs on the south side of Muncie. Uh, there's only about maybe five miles of Maine that his body could have traveled through that was big enough. We have been told that all of the siphons that come out of the river are too small for a body to go through. We were shown the sizes. Uh, it really would have taken a small child, you know, sized body to be able to travel through the pipes that siphon out of the river. So that's basically impossible. Michael's cause of death was undetermined. What I was told, there was 10 times the amount of methamphetamine in his system that they've ever seen in a body. But his cause of death was not an overdose. It was undetermined. Everybody we've talked to believes that, uh, and when I say who we've talked to, investigators, believe that somewhere along that main run, somebody put his body into the sewer. And they don't believe he done it himself. Uh, you know, you can go try to lift a manhole cover, try to pick it up standing on your two feet. It's just not going to happen. They believe somebody had stuck a needle in his inning and shot him up to kill him, is what they believe. I've seen the pictures, I've got the reports, and I know the damage to my brother's body. That's what makes me think that he was dropped in manhole because he had a broken neck, he had a broken collarbone, his face was all swelled. I guess there was a lot of damage. Several lacerations all over his body, which if you've seen the machine that he came through, it, it, if, his, if his body would have traveled another seven foot through the machine, it, they, they wouldn't have found him. It would chewed him up. So, I mean, the machine done a lot of damage to him. We've been told by two, two investigators and the coroner that they, and they've all three said the same thing, they don't believe he done it to himself. They believe somebody done it to him. The water waste treatment plan is a very restricted area. You can't just walk back there. I can tell you by the time we got back to the building where his body was found, we was seen by at least, at least six to eight people. So for him to actually be in the plant without being seen, it's just not likely. We was told that they tore the machine apart, that his body was found beside. They actually had the conveyor that his body traveled on sitting beside the building where they had taken it apart. So once they found him, the machine was shut down and tore apart for investigation. So, and there was none of his stuff that was found there. Uh, we was told that if uh, any of his clothing items, shoes, cell phone, anything like that, was with him when he was in there, that it would have, they would have found it, and they didn't. They believe he was dead before his neck was broke, his collarbone. Most of, most of the damages to his body was done after he had died. He was last seen Sunday morning between 10 and 12 o'clock. That was the last known time that he was seen. 
his body showed up at the wastewater treatment plant uh, between 7 and 8.30 the next morning, which would be Monday morning, May 20th. His body was found on the 20th. We was notified on the 22nd. I never, ever thought that it would have been my brother. It's not been easy. I mean, there's so much thoughts that go through your head. You know, I'm laying next to her in the middle of the night when she wakes up, you know, and, and uh, can't go back to sleep. There's times that she'll just start crying. You know, I don't know what's going through her head. I don't know what's triggered her, you know. I know why, but I don't know what's causing it at that moment, you know. Not knowing what happened to him, if he suffered, if he knew what was going on, it's hard. I do want to know what happened. I want to know what happened to my brother, who done it, and I, I want them to pay for it. They had no right to do whatever they done to my brother. And I think that he deserved to rot in jail for what they did. Teresa and Dave. It is so hard to listen to that story, to listen to the truth, to be a part of the grief, the angst, the extreme sadness that you guys are going through. I I can't I can't I'm at a loss for words. I can't imagine going through the pain that you are going through. And to have what has happened to you, Teresa, happen to me. I have a brother and I can't imagine the heartache that you're going through. And for that, I am so extremely sorry. Thank you again to Paranormal Nightmare and Chasing Evil for your incredibly sensitive, empathetic interviews of both Teresa and Dave Dodd as well as Don Mollis. And now, you guys, I want you to learn some of William C. Balfour Sr.'s story, also in Muncie, Indiana. What happened to Mr. Balfour? It's very tragic what this family has, has suffered through and dealt with uh, in terms of what happened to their loved one. Muncie Crime Stoppers is now involved hoping to close this case. We're at a point to where we may have established a person of interest, but we believe that somebody somewhere still knows something about the death of William Balfour. It's one of the two unsolved homicides in 2019, and tonight his family is just hoping someone will come forward with answers. I just want y'all to speak up. Like, my daddy was 70 years old, y'all. He didn't deserve this. He would give you the shirt off his back. He would not hurt nobody. Reporting in Muncie, I'm Darius Johnson. William C. 
Balfour Sr. Dad, Grandpa, Papa, Brother, Uncle, Cousin, and Friend. A 71-year-old African-American man retired from General Motors and basked in his retirement, spending time with his family. On July 1, 2019, William Balfour Sr. left his home in Muncie, Indiana to give a friend a ride, and he never returned. The next day, on July 2, 2019, Around 6.30 a.m., William Balfour Sr. was found deceased on the road as a victim of an apparent homicide. You guys, he was beaten so badly that the coroner asked for dental records in order to make the proper identification. This case remains unsolved and has been named as a cold case. During the nearly two and a half years of fighting for answers to this unsolved tragedy, William Balfour Sr.'s family has had meetings with both mayors, both police chiefs, the prosecutor's office, victims' rights, and spoken with Muncie Police Department investigative unit captains and detectives during both administrations. The family has requested William Balfour's case be given to the state police on multiple occasions. And after the family expressed their wish to Indiana State Police, they showed interest and they even alluded that they had the case. However, the local prosecutor, Eric Hoffman, declined the family's request, stating that Muncie Police Department has been working on William Balfour's case. Nearly two and a half years have passed since someone has left William C. Balfour Sr. beaten to death, laying on the road. Where is the proof that Muncie Police Department has been actively working the case? The Balfour family inquired about the DNA results, and Muncie Police Department replied with the insensitive and generic answer of, quote, the state lab is backed up, end quote. Yeah, we've heard that one before. Bullshit. Yeah, I said it. I call bullshit on that. And so did Williams' family. They sought out answers regarding the state lab on their own. And you know what? Shocker, they were told differently. Someone is lying. And you guys, my bet is without a doubt, it's Muncie Police Department. William Belfer Sr.'s family wants and deserves answers. They want to know why Muncie Police Department has not questioned those that have provided the family information. Their family wants to know why hasn't Muncie Police Department questioned the people who live where William was found deceased. There is way too much information and evidence for nothing to be done in this case. Two and a half years is too long. To all of the Balfour family, all of us at the Can't Stop, Won't Stop community, 
are here to fight with you. We are here to fight alongside you. We are here to find out what happened and give your father, grandfather, papa, friend, cousin, we are here to help you find the justice that he and all of you deserve. I want to give a ton of credit to Paranormal Nightmare and Chasing Evil for their hard work and expertise in interviewing both Ashley Mullis and Michael Coates' families. Thank you. Please, you guys, check out the interviews in their entirety on their YouTube channel, Paranormal Nightmare and Chasing Evil. For those of you who live in, near, and around Muncie, Indiana, please, please, if you have the opportunity, come join us. Sit in the audience. Maybe speak. Just come be there and support these three families, as Dwayne and I will be there as well. We will be speaking at the city council meeting in Muncie, Indiana, this coming Monday, December 6th at 7 p.m. Please, if you can be there, support these families. It means the world to those of us who are seeking justice, just to have that support, just to see the faces that are showing up and just smiling at us, just there to support and, and giving us, allowing us, giving us that power, that little extra push to stand up and be brave and go against the grain. It is hard to go against the grain. It is hard to stand up at a podium staring at multiple city council members who are looking at you. It is hard to do that. It takes a lot of bravery. And that's why I am saying, for those of you who are anywhere near Muncie, Indiana, please, please come. Please come and support the Ashley Mullis family, the Michael Coates family, and the William Balfour families. We will be there as well. Can't wait to see and meet everyone and anyone who joins us Monday, December 6th, 2021 in Muncie, Indiana. You guys, this bullshit happens way more often than we think. So many families think they are alone in their fight against law enforcement. I am here to let you know that you are not alone. You are not the only family treated poorly by law enforcement when seeking justice for your loved one. I am here to help you get the confidence to speak up. Use your voice and prove what is truly happening in your loved one's case. You can join our live this Sunday and every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook at Can't Stop, Won't Stop. You can also follow me at MyLindsayAnn on Instagram. And you guys, as always, I'd like to say that I have zero training in law enforcement. I have zero training as a lawyer. 
I'm just a girl that is driven to find justice. I'm just a girl that truly cares. I am just a girl that has a hell of a lot more empathy for victims' families than many people with badges do. It is absolutely disgusting what so many grieving families have to go through. What if this happened to your child? Would you stop fighting? Would you back down? Hell no. We can't stop and we won't stop fighting until we get answers. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast. You guys, this is free, and it will help get the awareness to the public about all the injustices happening to so many grieving families. Thank you for all of your support. And for those of you that don't like that I'm actually helping families seek justice, well, Just stay away because you know what? Mean people suck. (laughs) And I am super excited to announce that my merch store is now live and open at Can't Stop Won't Stop dot store. You guys check out the new merch that I have on there. Again, that's Can't Stop Won't Stop dot store. I just purchased Dwayne a Christmas gift from there. So I keep that in mind when you're doing some of your shopping. There's some fun stuff on there, you guys. Check it out. I will talk to you guys very soon. Can't wait. You know, I don't know why so much pain and loss has to happen. I don't have all the answers. It has been... Nine years since Tanner Barton and Charles Netherland were taken from all of us. And it has been four years since Brittany Bell and Egypt Covington were taken from all of us. It has been too many years of obstacles and lies from people they trusted and from the police. It has been too many years that no family should ever have to go through. Tanner... Charles, Brittany, and Egypt, we can't stop and we won't stop fighting for you and every other victim that deserves justice. Please be sure to join our Facebook group, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at MyLindsayAnn. A huge thank you to singer and songwriter Mr. Peace for allowing us the right to use the song Where'd You Go featuring our beloved Tell me a way to get rid of all these feelings 